Hey, what's going on? I'm Serena Hess. I'm the host of the Women for Greatness podcast, which, if you weren't paying attention, is the name of this lovely podcast in your earbuds. I would like to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And first of all, you rock. You really rock because you're doing the work to improve yourself and improve your life. So for tuning in, you get a congratulations. Congratulations. Good job. That's me clapping if you didn't know what that was. But yeah, great job listening. And I'm proud of you for making that improvement and that micro 1% better improvement in your life today and every day. So great job with that. You're doing awesome. Another order of business I want to talk about, as I've mentioned before, is there is a giveaway that is going to happen very, very soon. It's going to happen episode 50. So if we're episode 46, that is four episodes away, ladies and gentlemen. So mark your calendars. Episode 50, when that comes out, the giveaway is open. And oh my goodness, I want to tell you, there's going to be so many cool greatness items, greatness little goodies. It's just going to be a good like smorgasbord of cool stuff. So if you you want to win cool stuff, then pay attention when episode 50 rolls around. Another thing I want to talk about really, really quick is my confidence course. So the confidence course is a six week online e-course and it's going to be out very soon. I'm so honestly, I'm so excited to get it out into the world and into the interwebs because this is something that I have poured my heart and soul into. I've struggled with confidence. I've struggled with knowing who I am and why I'm here on this earth. I've struggled with speaking up and walking out in my purpose. It's scary. It's really scary to stand out and to put yourself out there in the world and you feel vulnerable and you don't know what's going on. That's why I created the confidence course to empower and teach other women. Hey, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Inside the confidence course, I teach practical steps to gaining your confidence, give you practical activities and worksheets. And I walk with you hand in hand to building your confidence back up. It's a six week online e-course. Check it out when it comes out, the confidence course. So keep your eyes open for that as well. Okay, so today, this is episode 46, as I've mentioned before, and in this episode, I'm so humbled to feature a woman that I have looked up to for years and years and years, and this is none other than my grandma, Didi. Grandma Didi and I have a really special bond because part of my childhood, I lived in her house with my mom, and Grandma Didi would watch me a lot of the time after school. I'd have some good old buttered popcorn and a Diet Coke for a nutritious after-school snack at Grandma Didi's house. Um, she's just always been a light in my life and I really enjoyed sitting down with her for this interview in honor of her 80th birthday. So this interview is a little more personal. It's a bit more of my family aspect and my personal life, but I really wanted to share it and keep it forever through this podcast because it's something I think all of us can look back on. Grandma Didi's 80 years old. And think, I don't know how old you are right now personally, but what do you want your life to look like when you're 80 years old? What stories do you want to be telling? Think fast forward. If I was sitting down with you and you were 80 years old, what would your answers be to these questions that I had for my grandma? You are going to have your own life that you have lived. Maybe that's 50 years, 60 years. Maybe you have a long way to go until you're 80. But this podcast episode is just an opportunity to really ask yourself, how do I want to live my life? What do I want my life to look like? And when you're listening to these answers from my grandma, you can reflect, okay, 
that's interesting. That's good. Draw from that. Take that experience. Wow, I didn't know that. This is just an opportunity to learn from someone who's older and wiser. So I hope you enjoy this really personal episode with my grandma Didi in honor of her 80th birthday. Okay, so today our guest is Grandma Didi. Grandma Didi, how are you today? I'm just fine after we had a wonderful lunch. Okay, so we're here for a purpose. What is the perp? What is the celebration coming up this week that's so special? It is my 80th birthday on Thursday, June 27th, mm-hmm. and it's also your fourth anniversary mm-hmm. on the 27th. So when Ben and I got married. Four years ago, we were planning dates, and I thought, June 27th is a really great date. You know, the summer, everybody's available. And my only thing was, oh my gosh, it's Grandma Didi's birthday. Worked and out great. so I asked permission. I said, is it okay if I have my wedding <laughs> on your birthday? Will that steal your thunder? And you said you'd be honored. So <laughs> I was, I was. So during the celebration, I had a, like I had cupcakes or like a little cake for you. I had something yeah, you did. and they brought it as a little surprise to compensate for stealing your thunder that day. I know. <laughs> it, it didn't steal my thunder. I loved everything about it. And it was the perfect birthday to see my granddaughter be able to get married. Yeah. And then now I have no excuse to ever forget your birthday. Absolutely. No and excuse. I have no excuse to forget your anniversary, yeah. <laughs> even though I usually just call. Okay, so for today, I have 80 questions for 80 years. Oh, boy. And a lot of the girls that listen to this podcast, they're 20s, maybe 30s. They're pretty <laughs> young, so you have some wisdom that you could share yes, with us. Yes, I have heart. lots um, of wisdom. Okay, <laughs> so are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, so number one, what is your full name and why were you named that? Include your maiden name. My name was given to me by my mother... And it is Donna with one N, Doreen, and Doreen is a compilation of Dorothy and Jean, D-O-R-E-A-N. And my last name was Coffee, just like you drink. (laughs) My dad would go in someplace and say, two for coffee. They say, oh, you only want coffee? <laughs> no, that is my name. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And then growing up, did you like coffee? Like, were you proud no. of that? No. <laughs> no, I do not like coffee. The closest I come to liking coffee is cappuccino. Oh. That's my guilty pleasure every morning. Oh, goodness. Okay. That's your name, maiden name. What's your favorite snack? French fries, potato chips. Uh, Snickers. Yeah. Anything salty or sweet? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite drink? Diet Coke. Yep, I knew that. Grandma Didi raised me on Diet Coke and yep. popcorn. But I also <laughs> like it with a little vanilla. Mm-hmm. Or root beer. Or root beer. If you don't have vanilla. Tastes just like it. <laughs> favorite movie? Notebook. The notebook? Yes. Favorite color? Green. And oh. pink. <laughs> <laughs> Were you named after someone else? My mother and grandmother. Did you like your name growing up? No. Did you have any nicknames growing up? Door Door. Door Door. (laughs) Why were you called that? (laughs) I guess because my name is Donna Doreen. That's where the Grandma Didi came from. Door Door. Door Door. (laughs) You know, that's fourth and fifth grade. Yeah. What do your family members call you now? Grandma Didi. When and where were you born? 
left California in 1939. 1939. Yeah, during World War II. And I remember a lot of things about World War II. Yeah. Like D-Day when my father was a sheriff Mm -hmm. and he had a car that had a red light and siren on it. So on D-Day, we all piled in the car and we went around Taft and the, with the siren and red light going to celebrate the end of the World War II. Yeah, that's amazing. was. Wow. When were you baptized and what was your religion? Well, I was first sprinkled at about, <laughs> probably about eight. And then I really accepted the Lord when I was 22 and baptized at the First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit took over. Mm-hmm. What was the religion of your parents and your grandparents? My grandmother was Christian science. She was the youngest of 10 children, Mm -hmm. and her mother died from a prick of a diaper pin. Wow. And she got it infected and ended up dying. Wow. And my, but my grandmother went to the doctor. Mm -hmm. So it was a good religion that my mother grew up with, but... They also took advantage of modern doctors. Yes, modern medicine. um, Where was your first home? 408 Buchanan Street. Buchanan Street. (laughs) (laughs) What were your earliest memories of your home? I was standing in the front yard, and we had found a puppy, a black and white puppy. We named her Nipper. And this little boy walked by and said, that is my dog. And I put my hands on my hips. I said, it is not. It's my dog. <laughs> and he believed me, I guess, because he never came back. He it. never came back? No. <laughs> um, could you tell me a story or any, any memory of you and your brother? Oh, we fought like cats and dogs. <laughs> My mother would say, we always figured when we came home, you guys would be either dead or (laughs) missing. She said we were, we fought. He was Henri. Yeah. He was 16 months older, and I was bigger than him. Mm -hmm. I had the broad shoulders like my dad, and he had my mother's skinny legs. And I think he was a little jealous of that. Of how? He used to be Henri to me. (laughs) But he was also a, a good brother. He stood up for me in fourth grade when I had plumped out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And somebody called me a baby hippo. Oh. And he went over and popped him one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what was the full name of your brother? Stanford Guy Coffee, after my step-grandfather and my dad's brother. Mm-hmm. What did your family do for fun when you were a kid? We would go to Valley Vista up by Lebec, Mm -hmm. and have picnics. Oh, that's fun. And we went to Pismo Beach for our vacations, Mm -hmm. and we would swim and skate. They had a big skating rink there at at this end of the pier, Mm -hmm. and we had lots of fun. One time we took a trip to Denver, Colorado in the summer when I was 12 years old, we had no air conditioning. Oh. <laughs> it was in August. I remember putting a Coke in the water, ice water of the cooler, cooler, and it popped. Because it was so hot? Yes. Oh. <laughs> it was really hot. And we went to visit my, my grandfather and my 
great-grandmother who was this little German lady mm-hmm. that used to beat her husband over with a, over his head with a broom. Oh, boy. He didn't behave. She was mean. Oh, boy. A little German lady. <laughs> Do you ever remember not having enough food to eat because hard times were on the family? No. We always had food to eat. Yeah. We were lucky. My dad was in the sheriff's department, so he was never out of work or mm-hmm. had any problem. We didn't have a lot of money, but it was all, we always had food. Yeah. Where did you attend high school? Taft High. Did you like school? Yes. I liked it <laughs> because of the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite subject in school and why? Let's see. Leathercraft. <laughs> I loved leathercraft and ceramics. But I guess I did not like English, and that's my favorite now. <laughs> I don't really know what I really liked. Mm-hmm. Were there any um, fads in high school that you've oh, seen yes. come back now? Or any yes. fads that you remember vividly? Seems like it just came out in the 50s, the mid-50s. It was matching sweaters and skirts. Mm-hmm. And then we would have Angora socks rolled down. Mm-hmm. And we wore Joyce's. That had a little wedge on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, are we Joyce's wore shoes or what are those? Shoes. Okay. And we wore scarves tied at the neck, mm-hmm. and they're doing the same thing now. Yeah, it's all coming back. Uh-huh. The matching set outfits. And we also had a lot of color. Yeah. And, and prints. Mm-hmm. And they're all coming back now, also. Yeah, that's funny, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can see it. When you're my age, you can say, oh, well, that was. Popular 30 years ago, Uh 40 years ago. It's amazing how things just (laughs) evolve round Mm -hmm. and round. Yeah. What was your least favorite subject? You said it earlier. Math. Math, okay. If it hadn't been for the boy in front of me, I never would have got a D. (laughs) (laughs) What do your fellow classmates from school remember you best as, or how do they remember you best? The way my, my personality and the way my mother... I designed my clothes, and my mother would make them, and I just thought we couldn't afford to buy my clothes, and my mother was not the type of person to be real loving, but I learned later that's how she showed her love is by making these beautiful clothes. Mm -hmm. I had a poodle skirt that she did cruel embroidery for the poodle, and it was Navy blue with Mm -hmm. scallop bottom with red fringe on the bottom and then this red poodle. Mm -hmm. And I had a vest to match with a poodle head on the pocket. (laughs) And then when I was 16, I was going to be in a contest and Mm -hmm. she made my formal for me. It was black velvet with a strap going over the shoulders. Mm -hmm. And it had rhinestones on it. And then down the front, from the waist down, it was scalloped and had rows of net lacing Mm. in the skirt. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. So everybody remembered you for your clothes? Everybody remembered me for my clothes. And your fashion sense. And I didn't... I, all I wanted was a store-bought sweater and oh. skirt to match. <laughs> we always want what we don't have. Right. <laughs> so the next question, what did you wear to school? Describe so that yeah. just clothes that she made, beautiful handmade, right. one and of then, a kind. Then I did get some skirts, pencil skirts, and uh, sweaters. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you and your friends have a favorite spot to hang out, and where was it, if so? 
Taft Beach. <laughs> What's it was a part of the Kern River. I don't even know if it's still there. But it's by the walking path now off of Highway 43. Mm-hmm. And we used to drive out there. And one time we slipped off. Ooh. My folks didn't know I was out there. In the car you slipped off? or yeah. You, okay. Yeah, we were in the car. And uh, they kind of went off the edge. And so one of the guys and I had to walk all the way to Rosedale <laughs> and call a tow truck oh, man. to get us out. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is most different between when you went to school and how school is now? Just one of the things off the top of your well, head. Well, we never had to worry about school shootings. Yeah. And it was, um, there was not a lot of play, you know. It was, I remember I had a PE teacher. I was always a kind of a class clown. And she gave me a C minus in PE, and I always got A's, and I was just shocked. Yeah. She told me I needed to learn to uh, keep my <laughs> jokes down <laughs> and pay attention to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting an A minus at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Describe yourself as a young adult. Well, I had a body that you would die for. <laughs> <laughs> and the boys all noticed and at a very young age. I never I stopped growing at twelve and fully developed and uh it was not good. So when I had my four girls I prayed that they would not develop young and believe me they didn't. Yeah. In fact Peggy went to get a bathing suit, two piece bathing suit, and she turned and looked at me and she said, Mom, I wish you hadn't prayed quite so hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first job? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was fourteen, I think. And there was a drive in on Kern and Fourth Street named the Purple Cow. <laughs> and I went and applied for a waitress job, a car hop job. Mm-hmm. With roller skates? No, oh, no okay. roller skates, okay. which is a good thing. <laughs> and I dropped a milkshake going out to the car. Then when I went out to the car with a whole tray full of Coke, the lady lifted herself forward. I went to put it on the window Everything slid right down her back. Oh. And that was their owner's cousin. Oh. Needless to say, I was not asked to come back to work oh. on Monday. They fired you. Yes. <laughs> um, growing up or when you were in your 20s, did you ever feel like left behind in life? Like you were supposed to be more yes. ahead? Yes, because only because I married at 17, didn't finish high school. Mm-hmm. And had babies right away. Mm -hmm. By the time I was 24, I had four babies. I loved every minute of it, though. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel left behind as far as being a mother. But as far as not finishing school and going on to college, that was one regret I had. Yeah. The main one. Yeah. How did you decide on a career? Well, it decided on me. I prayed that uh, if it was meant for me to move to a different location by myself and four of my children, the oldest had already graduated from high school, mm-hmm. we moved. Uh, I asked the Lord, if you want me to, to move, let me find a house in the first day I go 
And mind you, I had no education, four kids, and no job. I did used to teach baton lessons, about 120 students. Mm -hmm. I found there was one house in the paper, and they rented it to me mm -hmm. with no job, four kids, no education. Mm -hmm. So that was the Lord telling me, yes, you can move. So mm -hmm. I did, and I started putting my application in every place, but I could not afford a babysitter for more than four hours a day. Mm -hmm. And the four older children, or the three older ones, were in school, but my baby was only two and a half. So I found a job working on I-5 at Jay's Coffee Shop, the <laughs> graveyard shift. So I would work graveyard. I'd have to race home about 15 miles so that Peggy would be able to take the car and take Serena, uh, Jenny, not Serena, <laughs> take Jenny to the babysitter. That's Serena's mom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then I would get four hours sleep. Peggy'd come home, go pick up Serena, bring her home. Jenny. I mean Jenny. <laughs> and if she, if she took a nap, I could go back to bed, but normally she didn't. Mm -hmm. So I got to sleep four hours a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then a highway patrol called me and asked me, to go to work for them, mm -hmm. and that was my career. Mm -hmm. And I retired after 27 years, and I have a wonderful retirement because God gave it to me for sure. Yeah. What are the different jobs that you had throughout your life? Oh, my gosh. Just spit them out. Okay. <laughs> Random. <All right. laughs> like I said, the first thing I did was teach baton lessons, mm -hmm. I wasn't a good majorette, even though I thought I was, but I knew how to teach. So I had 120 students. We'd have recitals. We'd perform at halftimes, football games, parades. It was wonderful until I moved, and there wasn't enough people in this little town. Mm -hmm. So I had to, we did a halftime football, and we did a parade, mm -hmm. but no recitals, and finally it kind of dwindled away when I got my permanent job. Mm -hmm. And I also sold cosmetics at Jaffer Cosmetics, and they were excellent. And then I, when I went to work for the Highway Patrol, I worked half-time, four hours a day. And so then I had to switch my hours out at the restaurant to afternoons. Well, then one day the city attorney came in, and he said to my partner that hired me, mm -hmm. he said, I need a halftime girl. I raised my hand and said, I need a halftime job. <laughs> so I was able to quit the restaurant and go to work for the city attorney mm -hmm. for four hours a day. Mm -hmm. Then I started working at the restaurant across the alley <laughs> at night, four nights a week. Mm -hmm. And this was back in 74. 75, 76, I was making $1,100 clear a month, and that was a lot of money Yeah, back then. Mm -hmm. So we were fine. I bought a house, old house built in 1898, loved it, and uh, so it worked out great. Yeah. Did you make enough money to live comfortably? Yes. How long did you have to work each day at your job? <laughs> 12 hours. <laughs> Ooh. How old were you when you started dating? Oh, my goodness. Way too young. <laughs> it was probably 12 or 13, oh. <laughs> with my parents' permission. Do you remember your first date, and could you tell me something about it? 
Oh, I do remember. I was 12. Of course, my parents picked us up and took us. Uh, and I went to a, I was a Joby. And What's Job's, a Joby? Job's Daughters. It's um, Mason's. It's the young girl version of a Mason. Okay. It was, it was a black and white dance. And my mother made me a dress out of crepe paper. Okay. And we went and picked up this boy. I think he was 13. <laughs> and his mother had orchids in her yard. And she made me an orchid corsage. Oh. <laughs> and so when we picked him up, they, he pinned his orchid on me. And then we went to this dance. <laughs> And then my dad came and got us and took him home. <laughs> that was my first date. That's so funny. <laughs> okay, the, the next. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. Um, so have you ever been married? Yes. What was your, do you remember your first date with him? <laughs> um, he had the most fantastic car in the whole town. This is Boompa. Yes. So Harry, his name's Harry. And it was, it's her My grandpa. grandpa. And um, we just, he had a 55 Chevy that was built by George Barris, who is a very famous custom car designer. And it was painted just in, um, oh, I can't think of the name. But it was um, primered in pink and black <laughs> and white. Some type of way. It had a Lancer strip on the side, 55 Dodge Lancer strip on the side. And he and his car were on the front of Carcraft magazine mm -hmm. way back in 1954 or 5. And so we just rode around town. Your first date was car. riding around town. Yeah, riding around town. <laughs> That's funny. That was that. How long did you know him before you got married? Three months. What? Yes. Three months? How did he propose? <laughs> he didn't. Oh. <laughs> How did you get married then? I got pregnant. Oh. <laughs> and then he just decided. Then, no, my mother said, you will marry Oh, my she decided daughter. for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Describe your wedding ceremony. Uh, I was very modest because in those days, you know, being pregnant was not acceptable. Mm -hmm. So we were in the Methodist church, very small wedding. I was about a foot taller than my dad. <laughs> He's five, six, and I had high heels on, so... <laughs> And then we went out to Coffee's Corner, which is the old Buena Vista Inn, mm -hmm. and it's now a dive <laughs> restaurant. Yeah, and uh, had our my uncle owned it, and his name was naturally Coffee also. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was that. Did you go on a honeymoon? No, <laughs> no. Um, we lived in Maricopa in a little shack. It was an oil lease that he and his uncle. Ran, and uh, it was built for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! Back in nineteen fifty, probably three. Mm -hmm. Had a tin roof. <laughs> wow! How long were you married? Eighteen years. What did you like most about Boompa, my grandpa? Oh, he was handsome. <laughs> really, I mean, 
jaw-dropping handsome. (laughs) (laughs) What was it like when you two separated for you? Well, I hate to say it, but I was happy because Mm -hmm. I was the 50s wife and did whatever the husband said, and he always wanted to keep me under his thumb. You know, that's... It's a different time. Right, different times. So he was not happy. Mm-hmm. And it really, really hurt him because I did take the kids. Yeah. How many kids did you guys have together? Five. So you were a single mom. I was a single with mom. With five kids. Were you scared? No. I had faith. I uh, told you I became a Christian when I was 22. So how old were you when you separated? I was 34. Okay. I thought I was old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, It was hard on him, but easy on me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to go to a town where you did not know a soul, Mm -hmm. because I said I would never live in the same town if I ever got a divorce, Mm -hmm. is too hard. And I was just happy to start a new life. And I loved every minute of it. Yeah. The first house we moved into was $150. And I had $200 to my name. To buy? It was 100 no, Oh, to rent. to rent. Okay. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> no, the first house I bought was about a year later when my house in Taft sold. And I bought it for 14700 Wow. And I sold it four and a half years later for 28000 Wow, yeah. So I did well. I bought, bought and sold five houses on my own. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give or have you given to your child or a grandchild on his or her wedding day? Never go to bed angry, Mm -hmm. for sure. And always be your own self. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Right, very powerful because I was not my own self. Mm -hmm. And you have to start off a marriage with 90% on each side. Mm Mm-hmm not 50-50, and not 20-80. So what do you mean 90% on each side? You have to put in 90%, and so does he. Mm -hmm. It has to be equal. You have to go above and beyond, Mm -hmm. and it's hard. Very, very difficult, so don't think it's going to be a piece of cake. Mm -hmm. Marry your best friend, Mm -hmm. even though you think you don't, you're not madly in love, that is the best way to go because you're already there with them. Mm-hmm. Good advice. How did you find out you're going, you were going to be a parent for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> when I missed my first period. Were you scared? No, I was happy. Yeah. What was the funniest thing you can remember that one of your children said or did? Just one of the moments, not the funniest. Okay, this, my daughter will kill me when she hears this. (laughs) But I won't say who it is. I'll just say one of my daughters. And you have four, so. And I have four. So you (laughs) won't know which one it is. But one of them came home. They had seen the story about the birds and the bees. They taught them all this and about their periods. And so they had pictures and I turned to one of my other daughters and said, now, do you know all about this? And she said, no. And I said, well, come here. And and I was explaining to her. I said, now, this is a vagina, and this is a penis, and the, and the penis fits in the vagina. And she looked at me, and she said, 
But how do the peanuts get in there? <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> and then she says, is that what those dogs are doing? And I said, <laughs> yes. She says, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. What did you find most difficult about raising children? You know, I never found it difficult at all, and I'll tell you why. You get up an hour and a half to an hour before your children, you do your daily devotion, and you greet them with a song and a smile every morning, and you will, your children will wake up happy. I always had a hot breakfast on the table for them, and they were always happy children. Never got into trouble or anything mm -hmm. until I divorced. Mm. <laughs> And that was hard because I was never home. Yeah. And they went through their wild times just like all teenagers do. Mm -hmm. But they all turned out great. Mm -hmm. Were you a strict or lenient parent? Very strict. <laughs> Very strict. Sometimes I, I, and I tell them, I said, I feel bad because I was so strict on you guys. And they said, yeah, but we're glad. Mm -hmm. We're glad because we didn't go through. And I made them earn money to buy whatever they needed. They bought their own cars mm -hmm. when they got older. And when they were young, they had their chores they had to do. And here's a little tip for mothers that have more than one child and they have to do dishes. Give them a week at a time to do the dishes and then they never fight about <laughs> it or whose turn it is. Mm -hmm. So each one had a week at a time to do. But my second one did not like doing dishes, so she'd pay her older sister to do them, <laughs> which was fine It's me. resourceful as long as That's it gets right. clean. How did you feel when the first of your children went to school for the first time? I was excited for her, but she did not like it very much. She was <laughs> so, so shy, mm -hmm. and it was really hard for her. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had to really, like, grip and bear it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, how did you first hear that you were a grandparent, and how did you feel about it? I was 38 years old when my oldest daughter had her first baby, and I was excited for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had to move in within two weeks, and so I took. They brought the baby up to me, and mm -hmm. I took care of her while they uh, moved, mm -hmm. and it was fun. And she was a sweet little girl. Yeah. <laughs> What advice do you have for your children and grandchildren about being a parent? I think everybody has to learn, but I think the main thing is don't just give them anything they want. Make them work for it. Mm -hmm. It is so important because the number one thing that you are doing as a parent is allowing them to see what their life is going to be and how mm -hmm. they should act when they get older. Mm -hmm. When they start on their own, you have to prepare them for that. You can't, you'll never get rid of them if, <laughs> if you keep the dogs walking across the floor. <laughs> you will, they need to be on their own. They need to have chores. They need all of this. Do not spoil them. Mm -hmm. I've seen too many cases where their kids are spoiled and it does not do them any favors. They don't know what to do without mommy and daddy and their mm -hmm. help. Mm -hmm. So just be sure you make them work for everything they get and know what to do when they get old enough to go out into the world. Yeah. And one thing 
always, always be a hard worker. Mm-hmm. You, you, the Lord can help you, but if you don't help yourself, it's not going to help. Mm-hmm. So be a hard worker. Yeah. When and where did your parents pass away, and what do you remember about it? My dad died when he was 85 in 1998, and he was very ill for about two and a half months. He was in the hospital, Mm -hmm. and I had a wonderful boss. My mother didn't drive, and she lived in Taft. He was in Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. My boss let me work from home, and be with my dad every day at the hospital for two and a half months. Wow. And my dad was very, I was very close with my dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Tissue? <laughs> no, I'm not. <clears throat> I said, I won't have a cheerleader anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when my mom died, uh, she was, not able to live by herself anymore and she always said she would go to a nursing home Mm -hmm. and so when she she broke her hip Mm -hmm. she'd broken several bones so they had her come live with me Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway she said she never wanted to live with me but I gave her the option when they said she couldn't live on on her own I said mom you can either live with me or you can go in a home. And she said, I'll live with you. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go in a home. Yeah. Keep your parents at home. Mm -hmm. Mother and I got closer in that 13 months than we did really for years. Yeah. She was the type that would never say, I love you, because the last time she said, I love you, was when she was five years old and told her her father that she loved him, and he got on a bus, and she never saw him again. He took off with my grandmother's hairdresser. Mm. So that's why she was like she was. But we got closer, and after 13 months, she had broken her hip on Christmas Eve. She didn't want to use her walker, Mm. and she lived until February 12th after Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing we could have done is is live together. Mm -hmm. She'd always say, Lorraine, what would you be doing if you weren't taking care of me? I said, I'd be be sitting right here doing the same thing. Yeah. I don't care about going. She loved to gamble, mm-hmm. and I used to take her gambling. Of course, I liked it too after a while, but <laughs> I hated it then. Yeah. So, uh, but we had a good relationship at the end. And my brother died at 66, mm-hmm. and that was the greatest blessing I've ever had in my life mm. because he was agnostic. Mm-hmm. which means you have to see to believe. Mm-hmm. He had prostate cancer. He hadn't been to the doctor in 10 years. And when he went, his PSA level, which won't mean anything to the young girls, but it was 750. Mm-hmm. At normal range is 1 to 15. Mm-hmm. And his was 750. And so they said there's not much they can do. They did chemo. I used to take him to chemo. But when he finally, it took him six years, it was a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. It was already in his bones. And he died in the hospital, but I felt compelled compelled to go visit him this one morning. I had to go to the dentist, so actually it was afternoon. It was about 1.30. He was laboring to breathe, and I knew he was ready. Mm -hmm. So I laid my hand on him, and I prayed. 
I said, Lord, just take him. He's suffering so much because he was like in a coma. So I went to the restroom and I came back. His eyes were wide open. Mm -hmm. He was looking over his shoulder with his eyes open. Mm -hmm. And I stroked his head and I said, it's okay. The Lord's going to take care of you. He turned his head forward and shut his eyes and never took another breath. Mm-hmm. And it gives me chills to this day. And I went out of that room to the nurse's station. I said, how can people not believe in God? I prayed for it. Mm-hmm. He saw the Lord coming for him. And then he died. Mm-hmm. So prayers are answered. It's the most important thing you can do mm-hmm. is pray and leave it in the Lord's hands and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. So that was beautiful. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, it was. Do you remember hearing about your grandparents describe their lives, and what did they say? You know, my dad never talked much about his his parents, except that his dad was a barber, mm-hmm. and he came to Taft in the boom days <laughs> in the 20s, and uh, Taft was bustling. Really? And, uh, yeah, and his mother died when he was giving childbirth Mm. to her, a baby that died also. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he was about in eighth grade, he had to quit school and go to work to Mm. help support the family. Your dad? Mm Mm-hmm. And my mother's parents, her dad was a musician, and he's the one that took off with the beauty operator, and he was an alcoholic. Mm. And my grandmother, oh, she was our love. She was like a mother to me. We were so close. Mm. And she always took care of my kids. And my mother wasn't really, she would if it was a weekend or something. But uh, my grandmother was an everyday babysitter if I needed it. Mm-hmm. And she died when she was 76. But mm. we all loved her so much. Oh, my goodness. She was my nana. Mm. Do you remember your great-grandparents? No. They were <laughs> all deceased. Yeah. Who who was the oldest person you remember when you were little, like from you growing up? Oh, gee. I don't <laughs> even think I thought much about age at that time. I guess my great-grandmother, the one she's the one that used to hit her husband over the head with a pillow. Oh, the German lady. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't like girls very much either. That's, that's it's okay. The oldest it's probably person. a blessing. You're right, it was. Has anyone ever saved your life? Huh. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I know I had a boyfriend when he was 55 and I was 52. And we used to kid back and forth because I had had first aid and mm-hmm. I knew how CPR. to do CPR. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he didn't, I said, used to tell him, well, I could save your life, but she couldn't save mine. <laughs> well, he called me up one Thursday night and asked me to stay and I s- overnight with him. And I said, I can't because Amber was going to be a cotton princess in Button Willow and I had to go down. Mm-hmm. And uh, he died at two o'clock in the morning. And boy, did I feel guilty for about three years. Wow. Because I probably could have saved his life. Mm -hmm. But he was so stubborn, he didn't go to the doctor when he knew why, you know, Mm -hmm. he wanted me to stay. So I guess it was not his, it was his time to go. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah, I bet. I bet that was really hard. Yeah. 
Um, what would you consider the most important inventions during your lifetime that you've seen? Well, rockets for sure. <laughs> um, when I was born, there was just little puddle jumpers on the street, you know, and I remember this German neighbor of ours had this old four-door car, which you didn't see much then. And uh, so cars were a biggie. Yeah. And then robots and rockets and television. We had grew up with no television until we were 10. Yeah. And uh, then we got our first television. But we loved playing outside. And I would tell my mother on Sunday night, I remember saying, call me when Baby Snookums comes on. Baby Snookums. Yep, there, was this, <laughs> there was Baby Snookums that on Sunday night, little... Oh, it was so cute. <laughs> and uh, the green door, the shadow. I mean, just... These were your shows. These were our shows. <laughs> but I remember on Sunday night, I would have to listen to music for the music teacher at Lincoln School. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what wars have been fought during your lifetime? Well, the uh, World War II, mm -hmm. the Korean War, which my brother was in, and my cousin was killed. He mm. was a pilot. He was on his, he had flown 100 missions. He was due to come home, and he volunteered mm. another one and was shot down. Mm. So that was sadness in our family. And then the Vietnam War, the, the Gulf War, mm -hmm. and now look how long the Afghan, Afghanistan and Iran and, I mean, Iraq, it's... A lot of wars. Mm -hmm. A lot of wars. Yeah. So. What person really changed the course of your life by something that he or she did? I think it was the Lord when I was saved. Mm -hmm. I had gone to church that night. There was a revival, and I had a charm bracelet on. Mm -hmm. And when they ask anybody in the audience, you know, if, if they would like to come and confess their sins, I raised my hand and it just jingled like crazy. <laughs> and I think that's what changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Made me the person that I think I am. And I'm very compassionate towards others. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I think changed me. Yeah. Do you remember any advice or comments that had a big impact on how you lived your life? Well, my dad had probably the most impact on me. Because he never met a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that I always remembered is how he treated everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I would go out of my way to befriend the janitors in the office. And, mm -hmm. and they're the people that keep all the glue. They're the glue to, the, to your office, wherever you work, mm -hmm. because they keep it clean and I don't think we appreciate, like a waitress, mm -hmm. I did a lot of that. <clears throat> and it's just to be kind to the, what society says are the little people, but really they're the biggest people mm -hmm. and, and are very humble. Mm -hmm. yeah. The majority of them are very humble. Yeah. So and we should take lead, their lead. Yeah. What do you like to do when you're not working? <laughs> oh, I'm not. Uh, television addict <laughs> <laughs> I call it my husband 
<laughs> your television is your husband. <laughs> yeah. And I like to gamble. I like to the slot machine. <laughs> but other than that, and I like family outings, mm-hmm. gatherings, and yeah. Serena always has a pre-Thanksgiving dinner that I go to. A big family and event. And it's always beautiful. <laughs> and you. Ben does all the cooking. Yes, he does. Did we already say the full names for your parents? No. Okay, give the full names of your parents. Okay, my mother's name was Dorothy Jean King Coffee. Mm-hmm. My dad's name was Edward Frederick Coffee, mm-hmm. and he was the constable, the last constable in Kern County. Oh, wow. And he was a constable for 33 years, which is was an elected position. Mm. So I grew up in politics, and I hated it because, <laughs> because it was, oh, my gosh, it was people lie about you, and they, they said that my dad put a poor old uh Pensioner lady in jail. Oh. Well, that poor old pensioner lady killed our dog. Oh. And he put her in jail because she would feed him poison, oh. and then she would bury him up to their heads and then let the ants at him. Oh, gross. And it was horrible. So yeah. my dad had her put in jail. Oh. <laughs> he cared more about us kids mm-hmm. and people doing the right thing than he did his election mm-hmm. because he didn't win. Yeah. He ran for supervisor mm-hmm. of the 4th District. Mm-hmm. So Describe a time and place you remember feeling truly at peace and happy to be alive. Where were you and what were you doing? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this is crazy. It has to do with my job. I always was nervous, you know, about taking to every... Every time I promoted, mm-hmm. oh, I, I didn't mention this. When I first went to work for the Highway Patrol, I said that someday I wanted to make $5,000. I was making $250 at the time. Mm, yeah. And so when I passed my last test, mm-hmm. I retired at $5,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And that was... That was like, had been your goal for... Yes, that had been my goal for 27 years mm-hmm. when it happened. Mm-hmm. And that I felt really good about. But I now I look back and think I should have waited a little bit longer. I was 62 when I retired. Yeah. I'm eight, I've been retired 18 years. I should have stayed at least until I was 65. Nope. <laughs> but I was at peace, you mm-hmm. know. And my kids were all raised and gone. And, mm-hmm. and it was, I had a great life. Yeah. I had a really good life. But what was your happiest moment? Or your happiest, um, truly at peace and happy to be alive? Well, I took my last oral exam and I aced that test. Mm-hmm. I aced, uh, it was amazing. I knew when I walked out I had the job and I, it was an oral interview, and then I had to write a essay. Mm-hmm. And all the questions they asked, I had already done. Yeah. Because I didn't, didn't go into the fact that I ended up leaving clerical and going into a male-dominated position where I could make 5000 a month. Mm-hmm. And I ended up inspecting trucks. And fun I, job. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. I was... Head of offices all over the state, big offices, Central L.A., North Sac, and 
I just, the pressure is really hard when you're in Sacramento, and that's where I was. Everybody's trying to get up, you Ahead. know, in, in a higher position. So the men that were over our uh, clerical office were trying to change things to make an impression on the bigwigs. And I couldn't take it anymore. I ended up in the hospital um, with a blood pressure of, oh, I don't remember how much the upper number was. The lower number is the one you have to worry about, and it was 102. Mm -hmm. And so they put Valium in my veins, Mm -hmm. and my body jerked all over the table. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And after that, nothing could touch me. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I left, and I went to the the scales and learned how to inspect trucks and then I promoted I had to learn how to be a mechanic Mm -hmm. I went to school adult school at night and learned how to be a mechanic and I learned how to be a diesel mechanic by reading a joke book all about it from my teacher he Gave me this book. It was the easiest thing I ever did. But so there was 200 of us that took the state test, Mm -hmm. but only 22 passed. And that's when I went to get hypnotized so I wouldn't forget it. (laughs) So she went to get hypnotized so she could take this test and not forget the information. (laughs) I did. I did. It was $65, the best $65 I ever spent because I used to get so nervous taking a test. So I passed, and I was number six out of 22 in the entire state of California. And so 200, I'm proud of that. 200 people took it, and then 22 passed. That's it. And you were ranked number six yep. out of all California. Yep. That's great. <laughs> so then I went, had my own van to drive, and I would take it home at night. And I'd go out and inspect terminals and do a representative sample Mm -hmm. of their driving records or maintenance records and their vehicles. Mm -hmm. And it was the most fun job. I loved it. Yeah. And then I became a supervisor in South L.A. and supervised 12 men and one woman. And I was just so happy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, when I was the happiest, when I got out of the office and went to a male-dominated position. That's what you got to do if you want to make the money, except it is changing now. Yeah. But it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I was so proud of myself. That's awesome. I mean, to learn how to fix a car, even though I could only do it in my mind. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at my... <laughs> but I always wore surgical gloves, so I didn't get oil on my hands. (laughs) You're like, I'm not having man hands. Right. I'm not having man hands. Okay. It was fun. That's awesome. I was the first woman in in Lodi to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Paving ways. And and you know what? I had to prove myself. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. So that that was the easiest when I promoted to supervisor of the guys. It was awesome. Oh, I walked out of there and I wanted to Jump up in the air and go, yes! Because <laughs> I knew I got it. Mm-hmm. No doubt in my mind. It's awesome. Yeah. So what was the most beautiful place you ever visited? Oh, by far Yosemite. Yosemite, really? Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe. I went with this guy on a motorcycle. Oh. <laughs> and it was the most beautiful. I mean, that's the way to see it. 
Oh my gosh, it was gorgeous. That's the prettiest place I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Even over Hawaii, mm -hmm. that was just oh, fantastic. Is there anything you have always wanted to do but haven't? I am going to zip line for my 80th birthday. Through Vegas. Over Hello. Las Vegas. Hello. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about the only thing I think I've done pretty much. I would like to go to Europe someday, mm -hmm. but. It's not a biggie. Yeah. What's the single most memorable moment of your life? When I became a Christian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some of the most important lessons you feel you've learned over the course of your life or a couple important lessons okay. that you've learned? One really important lesson is when my kids are telling me about problems, quit trying to give them advice. Just listen to them. <laughs> it took me a while to learn that, but I finally did. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. And not to sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm. The Lord will take care of it. Yeah. Some people say that they have had difficult or stressful experiences, but they've learned important lessons from, from the experiences. Is this true for you? And can you give an example of what you oh, learned? Yeah. I don't know if my kids <laughs> agree with this. When you think you are in love, just because there's so much physical attraction, uh, don't believe it. <laughs> Um, do not allow somebody to take you over, mm -hmm. meaning to tell you what to do, when to do it, mm -hmm. and be your own person. That is so, so important. That's the main thing I would tell people. Yeah, like have your own uh, hobbies and have your own Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Don't and always. And if you ever are are living with or married to somebody and you're both working, have one joint account, and then he has his money, you have yours. Mm -hmm. Because it is very important that you remain independent. Mm -hmm. So keep your own account. He keeps his own account, but yet you have a, a joint account too. Mm -hmm. It's really important. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like this is going to be the same answer that's been popping up. But okay. as you look back over your life, do you see any turning points or key events or experiences that changed the course of your life? So, Well, my divorce, naturally, okay. changed my course. Mm -hmm. And then the job. Mm -hmm. But always strive, no matter what, for higher education. Every job I had, I would go to school, like my uh, clerical jobs. Mm -hmm. I would take creative writing. I would take, I took shorthand typing, which we didn't use, but mm -hmm. it still all pertained to my job. Mm -hmm. And whenever, I never did get a GED. I didn't have to because I had so much experience that it compensated for the education. Mm -hmm. But whatever you do, you don't have to have a degree, but take everything you can to that pertains to that job. Yeah, so never stop learning. Right, absolutely. You can Even if it's not like the traditional sense of school, just right. never get stuck in a life. A degree and, isn't as important as the personality and the perseverance of a person. Of a person. Mm -hmm. If you put your all into something, you're, gonna, you're going to succeed mm -hmm. without a doubt. I'm a prime example of it. Mm -hmm. just, just be a, a kind I had a lieutenant tell me one time, uh, my daughter was sick at home, and 
my other daughter called to tell me, mm-hmm. and she said uh, that she had the flu and was throwing up. And so my boss, who was in the office, mm-hmm. told me to go home and take care of it. So I went home and cleaned everything up and then went back to work, and the lieutenant called me in his office. He said, Doreen, I think your personal life is getting in the way of your office work. And I said, yes, it will always be my first priority. Mm -hmm. And then he he looked at me, and I said, my family is number one, and this job is number two. Mm -hmm. And he said, how do you stay so positive all the time? He said, you've had a lot of problems. Your dog was killed in the middle of the street, and and you had a lot of problems with your son. And I said, well, it's nobody else's problem but mine, and I don't believe in taking it out on everybody else. Mm -hmm. Lieutenant says, I think I need to go fishing. (laughs) I said, yeah, it sounds like. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Sounds like it, buddy. What would you say you know now about living a happy and successful life that you didn't know when you were 20? I was so busy when I was 20 with babies. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about life, you know, or the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) I just was so busy with babies. But I'll tell you one thing. Mm -hmm. I loved being pregnant. I loved having those babies. And it made me feel so important. Mm -hmm. And it is. It's important that you are a good mother. Mm -hmm. And I'd say that's the number one thing that I took away from it. And having those kids so young, Mm -hmm. I wasn't the pushover. I was with Jenny when she was born when I was 32. My mom was the, the baby yes. of it all. <laughs> she was the spoiled one. It's <laughs> funny. Okay, so this is, you kind of answered it. When you were my age, what were you doing? Having babies. But I was also busy in the church, too. I did my church work mm-hmm. along with teaching baton yeah. and selling cosmetics. You had full plate. <laughs> what are your hopes for your family? Oh, that they can be as happy and successful as I've been, that they always work hard and and be kind to others. That's so important. Mm-hmm. And not ever be prejudiced. Mm-hmm. And don't make jokes about it. Just love everybody the same. Mm-hmm. That is, it just makes you feel sad for for the policemen that are shooting the black men, because they're so afraid of them. It's not because they want to be mean, but they're scared they're going to get them first. Mm -hmm. And so I feel for both sides, but they've got to figure out something Mm -hmm. with guns. Yeah. Okay, so these are five questions, and these are slightly different. We finished all of the the other questions were (laughs) online questions that I just pulled that I thought were interesting or maybe like, would be interesting to have and just hear the answer. And because, you know, everybody has their own experience in life. So these questions, there's only five. I put on my Instagram the question, what would you ask your 80-year-old self? And so these girls gave me their questions. And so I'm just going to ask you, being 80, maybe you had the same questions, maybe not, but what would your answers be for these? So there's just five. (laughs) This one's pretty funny. How did you survive so long? (laughs) How did I survive? 
Well, you've got to go to the doctor and get medications. <laughs> I just saw it and I laughed. How did you survive so long? You, you've got to. You've got to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, and stay away from the stress because the stress I had in the clerical office, the left side of my heart has hardened, and I have to take medication for it. Mm. So stress has should have no place in the workplace. Yeah. And I know you put it upon yourself. But if you've got somebody else yeah. giving you stress, get out of that job. Get them out. <laughs> don't leave. I mean, don't let the door hit you in the butt before you're out that door. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> what do you wish you could have done more of, and what do you wish you could have done less of? Okay, I wish I could have got a higher education, and I could have, but... I'd rather have had good kids and mm-hmm. and had that, so I'm not really, you know, too upset about that. Mm-hmm. And what could I have had? What, what could you have time? done, or what do you wish you could have done less of in your lifetime? I wish I had of got out of relationships quicker than I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number three. So this is a question a girl asked. Did it? Did it turn out okay, and was it worth it, meaning like your life? I am. I can look back, and every bad thing that ever happened to me has made me grow so much. Mm-hmm. I am not the same person I was. I am confident. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nobody that can tell me I haven't had a successful life. Mm-hmm. Just like I said, work hard. Mm-hmm. Work hard to make, whether it be on yourself. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of self-help books when I first re- divorced and through relationships. They're really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. So that's... Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then someone else asked, when does it all fall into place and get better? I think in your 50s. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect an actual... <laughs> Yeah. Hear that, girls? When you're, we have about 30 more years. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have. You can look back and see all the mistakes you made, mm-hmm. and then you can choose your path. Yeah. Whether you want to be married, whether you want to be single, mm-hmm. you know, you can have just as happy life single as you can married. Mm-hmm. So if there's somebody out there that doesn't want to get married, don't chastise them for it. Mm-hmm. It's really can be a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. By yourself, and I've chosen that life, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then, last question: Did you live a happy life, or have you lived a happy yes, life? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All my life, growing up, I've just been blessed. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Serena at lunch today: I think we're born. I think God chooses us from the time we're little. And I used to sit in the yard and read in a little wicker chair and read the Bible before I even could understand it. Mm -hmm. And then he led me in a different path. I started a drug abuse center when I was in my late 20s. -hmm. It lasted about seven years. I don't know if we helped anybody. We sure tried. Mm -hmm. I got all the funding for a place for them to gather that was that was a happy time, mm-hmm. and uh, having my children was wonderful. As I look back, I may not have had five. <laughs> so hard. It's harder when they get older yeah. and they're on their own because you 
you have no control over them anymore. Mm -hmm. That's where you learn not to give them advice that unless they ask for it. Mm -hmm. That's a big, big lesson right there. <laughs> yeah. And then are there any questions that I didn't get to that you wanted to talk about or anything you want to mention or add on? Add? Well, just like I said, treat your children with love, but don't give them everything they want. Mm -hmm. They learn, they need to learn that no is the right answer. Mm -hmm. So that is important and hard work, as I've said many times. Yep. To, to get ahead, the Lord helps those that help themselves. If you want to get ahead, you work hard for it. Yeah. But don't forget your family and take time Especially fathers, take time for those children. Mm -hmm. That is number one. And I love the way fathers are today. Yeah. So involved in their children's lives. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And do you have any final words of wisdom to impart on these 20-something girls who are pursuing greatness and whatever that looks like? Do you have any words of encouragement or... Persevere mm -hmm. and have fun. Yeah. If, it, if you're not having fun with who with individuals you're with or there's a girlfriend that is jealous of you hey it took me 70 years to figure out that one of my cousins was always putting me down mm -hmm. always finally i cut her out of my life and it's wonderful mm -hmm. don't be around negative people if they're negative stay away from them mm -hmm. good advice okay yeah. that is it Okay guys, I just wanna close with this. You are incredible. You're pursuing greatness in your own way and that is amazing and inspiring. The impact that you have on the community and the people and maybe your little children or your family members or your coworkers, you matter. What you do every day matters. What you say every day matters. You showing up, it matters. And I know you might be thinking, Serena, I'm just uh, fill in the blank. I'm just a waitress. I'm just uh, I'm just a hairdresser. I'm just a photographer. I'm just whatever. No, but you are that. And the fact that you are that, you help and serve the people around you. It matters if you show up with a smile on your face. It matters if you wake up a little bit earlier and take care of yourself. It matters whether you show up in life or not, believe me. The world hurts if you don't show up. So please show up, stand up, step into your life and step into your light and keep on pursuing greatness and whatever that looks like for you. And the last parting piece of advice I would say is when you're 80 years old and you reflect on your life, just how Grandma Didi did in this past episode, what will you have said? And are you proud of the life that you will have lived? Okay. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.